You are now listening to Operator. Boy, I know you can't help but to be yourself around me. Yourself around me. And I know nobody's perfect, so I'll let you be. I'll let you be. It's the way you weigh your emotions on both of your sleeves oh, To the face you make when I tell you that I have to leave Welcome to Sakai Asks, a radio show and podcast here on Operator My name is Sakai and I'll be asking the questions each episode. I'm a cultural programmer, workshop facilitator, researcher and artist based here in Rotterdam. Originally from the UK and originally, originally from Zimbabwe. My research and expertise lie in race, decoloniality, black feminism, healing and joy. This is a show where I pose an overarching question and invite people to explore answers and possibilities with me. I'm interested in having more in-depth, nuanced discussions about important topics with those who have lived experience. So join me as we dive into some juicy topics. Today we are asking, what is it to be Ellie Vignette? So Ellie, my guest today, was born and raised in St. Martin. He's a nail artist and prominent ballroom figure. He relocated to the Netherlands in 2010 to pursue his dreams and a better life. And years later, he is the father of the first Dutch ballroom house, House of Vineyard. He has walked in countless balls and judged locally and internationally. So welcome, Ellie. Thank you. (laughs) Not the intro. (laughs) Um, So before we start, um, we just heard Beyonce, Plastic Off the Sofa. And can you tell me a bit about that song, why you chose it, what it means to you, how it relates to you? I mean, first of all, the whole album, Renaissance, is just everything. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, this song, um, it just reminds me on how much I'm a sucker for love. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just it just takes me back to like, being in a being uh, in a relationship where you're like all guards are down and mm. just fully giving in and also the beauty in being able to be yourself around somebody so i take that first line like very literal mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. so because that's not something you easily find and i feel like um not to be like very cliche about it, but mm-hmm. Beyonce and Jay-Z's relationship, like if you go back to On The Run, mm-hmm. um, that song in spe- specifically is like, this is what you want. You know, mm. that no matter what, like, I'm going to be on the run with you. So I find it hard with Jay-Z though. I still haven't forgiven him. <laughs> I still haven't. I mean, we probably never won't, yeah. but you know, and I mean... I hear you though. I appreciate what you're saying. I just, I, it's the part of me that still is like, mm, behave well, behave well. I think he's yeah. learned his lesson. I feel like he, I feel like he definitely has. <laughs> like, have you seen him at the concerts? Like, he's fangirling. I know. <laughs> and which him? is so cute because this is something like we never saw before. Yeah. But, um, I mean, who cares what happens in their relationship? Like, mm-hmm. to me, it's just about like, 
at least what we see yeah is something that i think resonates with a lot of us so that we might want mm-hmm. and in, they seem super happy and they worked it through whatever it was yeah so i mean isn't that what we want i mean relationships are not easy this is true this is true and so we're single <sighs> okay. anyway ellie don't tell everyone our secrets okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, when I was coming up for the concept for this episode, mm-hmm. I wanted to speak to you in in specific or specifically, um, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, like years ago in Amsterdam, I used to do some moderating for Progress Bar at OT301 and <gasps> you were like backstage in the green room and I was like, oh, who's this really cool guy? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And then I, um, it was so cool. We were at an event and um, I was moderating a panel before the club night happened. And then like Ellie literally got on stage and got a whole club full of like burly men and women <laughs> to start voguing. He started explaining like the history of it. And it was so nice to see how, it was interesting to see how like, I'm assuming like straight men in the audience really liked kind of being given permission Mm -hmm. to like play with this and were really into it. Like everyone was really with you. And I kind of was very impressed, like number one with your guts, um, how you were educational at the same time and how everyone was on board with you. So from a long time ago, I was very impressed with you. I'm gagging. Good. Like what? (laughs) And fun fact, that was my first ever gig. No. Not gig as in, performing in general but just first ever gig me being like the only person performing and like leading my own show you know what i mean and i was gagging because i couldn't believe that everyone was like with me you know especially a crowd that i just never thought that I never saw myself in front of such crowds. <laughs> so Were I you thought, surprised? I was very surprised. Oh. Very surprised. Very surprised. I assumed you did this all People the in their bri- didn't look like me. <laughs> they did not. They did not. Or me. You know what that means. Yeah. Um, so it was just like, how am I going to get, how am I even going to do this? Yeah. And I just thought right before going out, I'm just like, listen, the only thing I can do is be motherfucking me. Yeah. And... I guess it worked. For sure. <laughs> and I think there was something there around like permission. Like yeah. it re- like the guys especially were yeah, really the guys were going into in. it. I they was like, you secretly want to do this, don't you? Like, And the thing is, these are just conversations that hetero men, mm-hmm. weak, weak, um, hetero men <laughs> are, are not given the, are not given the opportunity nor, nor the space to yeah. have, you mm-hmm. know? And then they feel like, I mean, this all goes back to the whole toxic masculinity mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. this doesn't only come from the men, but this mm-hmm. comes from society, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So they kind of get that laid up on them uh, f- from as young as they can be. And mm-hmm. then you get into a space where everyone around you mm-hmm. is literally giving in. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do this. No, mm-hmm. it's easier for you to also give in. But then that also switches something in your mind. Like, hey, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Like, it's not even about, oh, this is going to make me gay. This yeah. No, it's just, whoa, mind-blowing. Like, mm-hmm. wow, something new. Like, oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Or look at that person. I can, I can, that has nothing to do with my sexuality or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So we just got to give... Everybody more permission. Yeah, like a bodily permission as well. I think there's something about doing it in a club space as well. Yeah. Everyone was with you. Um, Okay, so I'm going to give a little... I'm gagging. (laughs) I'm gagging. 
That was before I moved to Rotterdam. So I used to live in Amsterdam. I saw you. And then when I started working at Hip Hop House, I saw that you were one of the voguing teachers. I was like, I know Ellie. Well, I don't know you, but I was like, oh, he's so cool. So it was <laughs> So it was so nice to see like a full circle moment. Wow. Um, but yeah, I find you a really interesting figure because, um, well, let me ask this question first, okay? Because you do so many things. Um, how would you define what you do? Like, do you see a common theme that runs through them all? So some of the things that Ellie does, like uh, he's a huge ballroom figure. Um, he has his own nail salon. Um, he's also like a plant expert and runs <laughs> workshops. I'm sure you have like 10,000 other jobs that I don't know about. Um Oi. But like, yeah, how do you define what you do or like the different strands of it and how do they kind of connect together? I think um, to use one word that would connect everything would be like expression. Because mm-hmm. I, <clears throat> growing up in the, in the Caribbean, um, expressing yourself is not a thing unless really? it's either... Uh, negative mm-hmm. or and I really don't want to bash my people but, <laughs> <laughs> but better me than someone else but here we go uh, <laughs> but um, we're kind of raised in a bubble so like you being expressive is not a thing like being mm-hmm. depressed that's not a thing mm-hmm. being sad that's not a thing mm-hmm. you know like you're always supposed to be on like autopilot mm-hmm. when you live in the Caribbean like mm-hmm. everything is either everything is black or white there mm-hmm. is nothing in between mm-hmm. so Growing up in such a, a, yeah, in such an environment, you kind of start to realize, especially being queer, you mm-hmm. start to realize, like, this can't be it. Mm. <laughs> like, this can't be it. And me discovering ballroom mm. was, like, the whole stamp of approval. Like, mm-hmm. what you're doing is okay Mm. you can be all of these things or Mm. you can be this thing or there's more to it than just this and ballroom kind of like opened up a whole new level in the brain to that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so that's why i would use the words expression because through Mm -hmm. everything that i do it's out of that need to express myself Mm. and that that also that must that i must be able to have some type of outlet to express myself and i just found all the vehicles to do that you know so i love how you say uh, caribbean people the way they say vehicles like they pronounce the h i love it love it i'm sorry yeah no no do not apologize but i think that's also really interesting i think the ways in which people conceptualize the caribbean or see it from the outside Mm -hmm. is like very loud people very expressive and i think actually spending time (laughs) but at the same time spending time there like a lot of caribbean islands are quite conservative as well super duper conservative yeah so it might be surprising for some people to hear you say you felt like in some ways like you weren't always able to be as expressive as expressive as you would like there yeah and not always all the time oh really not even most of the time it's like always like you can't uh well i grew up with a i'm half dominican so mm-hmm. i grew up with a dominican mother that actually was interested in the way i felt mm. and i'm not gonna say that she had the best uh knowledge or vocabulary for that but mm-hmm. she was 
she is still the mother that would ask and how are you feeling and how mm-hmm. was your day and how was this and how's this going and all of that and sometimes it's super annoying because <laughs> <laughs> she would mom. ask the same thing every <laughs> single day but then that's that was my kind of light in the tunnel mm. that okay i got th- i know that it's possible or, or i know that i should do it or i can do it because I got that from my mom and with very few words I learned that from her hmm. so my dad uh, <laughs> zero if you need to know one thing about <laughs> Caribbean men yeah. there is zero of everything yeah <laughs> like no expression no feelings no emotion no nothing but then looping back to what we we're saying earlier I wonder if there's like a deep internal world happening there like when we're saying in the club right people being given permission to express themselves in certain ways like if you also grow up in a society where there isn't space to be that as a man I wonder I wonder internally what's going on yeah and I mean I I always say like they didn't especially when I when I um when I get examples from my dad's side of the family like Mm -hmm. especially my dad and his brothers like they did not grow up with um, I'm not going to say they grew up without love, mm. but that expressive love, they they don't know that. <laughs> like, my dad probably learned that with my mom. Mm. You know, so uh, I don't necessarily blame them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can make sense out of them, like, not growing up with that at all. So, like, how do you even know it? Yeah, for sure. So, for and sure. they're not doing the work to figure it out either, so... <laughs> Yeah. And that's just because, of, and that's not even their fault. That's the bubble you grow up in. Yeah. So, and also having the privilege to be able to access certain, you know, forms yeah. of healing and care. Yeah. yeah. And just, and again, that's because nothing exists. It's either black or white. Like mm. there is nothing in between. Mm. So everything is just there is no, there is nothing in between. Like none, none of that. <laughs> <laughs> and can we dig in a little bit? Like, so if we say, if I use these three points, like ballroom nails and plants is like three areas that you're interested in how did you get into ballroom how did you get into nails how did you get into plants uh into plants uh that started with my mom my mom always had plants around the house in the house like outside she would always wake up and water her plants and be talking to her plants and Mm -hmm. i'd be like ma'am i don't (laughs) think that's okay (laughs) but um plants and also um well, that's how it started. But then me moving to Europe mm-hmm. and then being in a place where, to the Netherlands, where uh, the plants are not as, you know, tropical. <laughs> also, just not as visible. Yeah. Other than grass and yeah, like yeah, yeah. regular, you see the same trees everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, my way of feeling close to home was to have all these plants in my house Aww. and i always said like once i get my house like i'm gonna turn it into a jungle so you consciously did that you're like i'm gonna get out yeah. the plants to kind of like make me feel like home it, it that's the like the closest thing to home in my house in europe Aww. you know what i mean yeah. so for me it's almost like a kind of like a safe haven for me to be like around a lot of plants and also that that just feeds the caribbean boy at heart <laughs> and the jungle boy at heart because i mean i grew up in the bushes <laughs> like literally where i'm from yeah. um back home yeah. uh, which is called sucker garden uh-huh. okay <laughs> Funny, right mm-hmm. uh, interesting <laughs> um they actually call uh all the 
like there were there was this group of boys that were like rappers from the area and they called them uh bush boys and growing up that's what we would all call like when you came from that area like you would call we would call each other each other or people from there like the bush boys oh wow so (laughs) i'm a bush boy by heart you know so so, i don't know i had to somehow bring the tropics into my house but beyond that like so if you can share with our listeners like what do you do with plants like you run workshops like what how you have a you have an instagram handle like what do you see the plant boy element being in your um so i feel like the plant boy started literally from me just i just thought like my friends would always be like oh my god you're so good with plants and you always have all these plants your house is a jungle da, da, da. you should mm-hmm. like do something with it and i'm just mm-hmm. like another instagram handle. <laughs> i just, just can't <laughs> and then uh, eventually i just randomly did it mm-hmm. and um i've done workshops uh uh, in regard to plants and plant care and I'm not gonna say I'm like a guru mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know a little something and yeah. I like and I'm just like everybody else like whenever I get a plant I just do research on the plant yeah or yeah. I watch a lot of maybe that's kind of nerdy but Whoa. I do a lot I watch a lot of like plant YouTube. vlogs I get you and yeah. I think that I just like people would think that especially with all the other things that I do yeah. like when I get home <laughs> it's just me and my plant like First of all, I don't even have cable because I don't even watch Dutch television oh, ever. Wow. Okay. So I'm just like, unless my friends are on or I'm on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other than that, never really watch Dutch TV. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to get rid of the whole cable subscription. And I'm just going to do like, I just have my internet subscription because I just do YouTube. And when I would get home after work, most of the times mm-hmm. I'm watching like either plant vlogs or fishing vlogs. Fishing. Okay, so now I need to add another See? slash to your <laughs> fishing. Who are you? Hello, I grew up on an island. Okay, like true, that's true, 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 the true. biggest part of me being an island boy is the ocean. Do so, you fish here in the Netherlands? No, I have never. And to be completely honest, zero interest. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing because my dad is always like, why don't you go fishing over there? Yeah. And I'm like, dad, it's been 13 years <laughs> and I'm just not interested in fishing in no lake here or whatever they call it yeah so but yeah okay so plants uh you wanted to kind of recreate home back here you run plant workshops so what's your instagram handle is it the plant boy the plant boy so if you want to follow ellie and his plant plant yeah the plant boy um okay nails nails that actually started in 2009 am i right I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so the year before you moved here. Yeah, year before I moved here. Okay. Um, I'm a high school dropout. I'm so what? proud of that because I, ha- I hated, I hated school. Why? Hated. First of all, I was never comfortable in school mm-hmm. with my with me being myself. Okay. Never comfortable, and I always had to. F- I, ha- I felt like I always had to like look over my shoulder, mm-hmm. especially in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I went to one of the most um, renowned high schools back home that were very known for a lot of positive things okay <laughs> that's a lie okay, okay. <laughs> i'm like right <laughs> um i went to one of the hard high schools uh, back home it's actually the high school that everyone wanted to go to yeah. but also that everyone was was afraid of oh so um mind you i only really wanted to go because that was the only high school that had uh, t-shirts as a uniform <laughs> so you just had a t-shirt it was red blue white and black Okay. And you just wear like jeans. 
and what whatever else? shoes you wanted. You, what do others, is it like blazers, like super no. formal, the other no. schools? Uh, yeah, the other schools were like formal, like white shirt, emblem, blah, 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 da, da, da. Our shirts were literally, there's a joke coming to that. Mm-hmm. Our shirts, <laughs> at the time, the shirts were literally just black, uh, red, blue, or white. Mm-hmm. And then the name of the school just in the front. That's it. Oh, nice and simple. So it wasn't like too much. It was just like regular. Yeah. <laughs> so I was excited about wearing that. And you were kind of cool if you were going to that school. Oh. So it was like, oh, you go to that school. Okay. So you went to that school for fashion. Is that what you're saying? Mm. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> and guess what? What? I graduated sixth grade primary school. Uh-huh. In the year that I move, that I uh, that I get, um, that I pass to go to this high school, uh-huh. uniforms change. Oh no! So now we have polos <laughs> that I hated with my entire being. I was so mad. I was so mad. It's like just get me out of here. Like I don't want to wear this. <laughs> and it's so stupid when you're a teenager. It's like I don't want to wear this. Yeah. Like a polo. Like yeah. it wasn't even that bad. It's just a polo. <laughs> it's just like. Other people had to wear like white shirts, pleated skirts, like all that. We just had to wear a polo and jeans. And I was just like, I do not want to wear that. I want to wear a t-shirt to school. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So ended up uh, going to school. I did three years, dropped out. And um, I actually wanted to be, at the time, I wanted to be an accountant. Wow. Which was the most, like, I think back on it, and I'm like, what the hell was you thinking? Like, and I know exactly why I wanted that. So I had a friend, mm-hmm. uh, I had this friend, and his his dad, uh, I used to go and hang out at my aunt's house every day after school, which is in town. And um, next to my aunt's house, there was this new huge building built, and there was an account accountant, accountancy firm mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the owner's son was one of my school friends and he his dad drove like Hummers okay, like the Lexus like all the cars at the time that were like hot his dad was driving and I'm like what do, what does your dad do and he's like my dad is an accountant and I'm like mm. bitch I'm gonna be an accountant <laughs> and I t- I could swear to God that I was gonna be an accountant <laughs> Just because I thought, oh my God, that's how I want to be. And I want to have cool cars. And blah, blah. Mind you, yeah. I've never been a car person. But it's just like, I just saw that and thought, whoa. I could not I'm imagine gonna, you as an accountant. Like, I don't imagine. Like, <laughs> what was what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Glad I work, woke up out of that dream. And my third year in high school, I dropped out. And, um, and it was kind of double reason. It was mm-hmm. It also had to do with like, me being like finally uh accepting myself mm-hmm. as uh as a gay man mm-hmm. and also like more uh, having more of a need to like be myself without any restrictions mm-hmm. and at the same time i had like at the same time it was it also had to do with like my mom and my dad and it was just like a situation where it was kind of hurt it was hurting me to see my mom struggle in mm-hmm. order to like make all the ends meet. And my dad was just visible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I just thought this is kind of a way for me to get the struggle, at least half of the struggle off my mom. So I just thought, I don't want to do this anyway. Mm-hmm. And I can take the stress off her back. Let's do it. Perfect. Even though she was, she was done. <laughs> she was just like, no, you cannot leave school. And I want you to finish. And I was just not interested. I was just like, mom. And the great thing with my mom that I'm super thankful for is that she 
even though she was like hurt that I didn't want to finish, she was just like, well, you got to do what you want to do. Hmm. And I'm not going to stop you. Mm-hmm. You need to talk to your dad. <laughs> and I'm just like, for what? <laughs> I'm just not like, I'm not. And that is something that I, my mom always, like every time I go back home, my aunt and my mom are always like, if they talk about like childhood stuff, uh, stories about me, the one thing they always say is like, Ellie was just so hard headed. Everything had to go his way. And he wanted, he was never disrespectful. He was never rude. He was mm-hmm. none of those things, but he just wanted everything. He wanted to do everything his way. Mm-hmm. And it was never like bad, but mm-hmm. it was just like, I just always was so fixed on what I want to do. And I would hate when someone tells me, no, dude, th-. I'm just like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to do this. And, um, what star sign are you? Uh, Aquarius. Mm. Okay, so you've got like a very clear, you always had a very clear vision of what you wanted and where you were going. Yeah, well, probably maybe not where I was going. That's okay. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be an accountant. But um, I, had a, I had like, I just had a strong head. Mm-hmm. Like I just didn't want to do what anyone else was doing. I didn't want to do what people told me to do. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. I still have that up to this day, which mm-hmm. is sometimes great, sometimes bad. But that's right, that's right. Um, so... Um, Nails. How did you get? Yeah, so nails? I so I left high school, mm-hmm. and then um, I met. Uh, that's a long story. How I met that friend, but anyway, <laughs> I had this friend, and she was she is actually the first openly trans uh, woman on the island at the time. Wow. She was the first, and like she was a nail tech from the age of like sixteen. Wow. Okay. And um, I met her through like. Everyone knew her, of course, because, mm-hmm. of course, it's the island. Everything is, whoa. <laughs> and at the time, I couldn't. It's funny because our relationship started really weird because mm-hmm. I had a best friend that was going up for a queen pageant. Mm-hmm. She was going to be my best friend's chaperone. And that's how we got in contact because I knew who she was, but mm-hmm. I never wanted to be associated. Oh, wow. Okay. Because you also grew up in a very, um, how do you say that? Um not homophobic you grew up in a very in a very this type of gay and not that type of gay so there was a there was a certain type of gay that was acceptable well not not to people but to to us it was like i want to be this type of gay but i don't want to be so not you don't say that with words but Mm -hmm. then if i would look at her i would be like oh no i don't want to be associated with that you know what i mean i don't want to be like a boy that dresses as a girl Mm because we don't have the knowledge we don't have the vocabulary Mm -hmm. we don't have like we don't know what that is Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. we just see at the time you see mm. you can only you can only um um describe it as the boy that dresses as a girl yeah. literally and that's how everyone would describe it and yeah. we're just like no i don't want to be that yeah. that's too much and that's too this and she was baby she was the first probably the first ever person i saw in life that were a hundred percent themselves mm. like she would not care about anything she got into so much fights on like oh we she is the pioneer back yep. home because yep. if it wasn't for her, I probably couldn't even sit here. Yeah. So met her through my best friend and of try, tried to avoid her with my life, but <laughs> couldn't cause I was helping my best friend and she's a chaperone. So we need to cross paths. Yeah. And I remember, I literally remember the moment I kind of gave gave into contact with mm-hmm. her because she was loading everything to her car and I was giving her something and I would just give her something and like just turn like wow. I would literally like look away and like hand something to her yeah. and she would be like, um, I think she said something like, um, girl, 
uh, girl, you're one of us or like, or, or I'm one of you or whatever. And mm-hmm. I was just like, excuse me. How <laughs> dare you talk to me? <laughs> I can't and imagine I down, this. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and that, that's what I mean. The bubble you grow up in back yeah. home is just crazy. Um, so then finally we got really close and cool and I had other friends, uh, uh, all my other friends that I met like dancing and all of that on the island. Cause I started to go to the dance theater there mm-hmm. and all of that. And then we used to go and hang out with her at her salon. And it was just in a time where she was moving the, she always worked in someone else's salon and she was about to open her own salon. Okay. Mind you first openly trans person on the island, wow. opening their own salon on the wow. island. So, um, we were helping her move stuff from the, from, from the old place to the new salon. So I walk into the salon and I'm like, why do you got four nail stations? Like you're alone. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Stupid again. And she's like, oh no, in time I'm going to like find people and hire people to work or whatever. And I'm like, oh really? I'm like, why would you hire people? Just teach me and, mm-hmm. and I can work with you. You know me already. So you yeah. don't have to like find new people to work with. And she's like, bitch, you're not serious. And I'm like, oh hell no, I'm not doing nails. Like me. And mind you, I would go with my cousins and get their their nails done and just sit there and wait for hours and all of that. And I just never even, like, thought that I'd be into that. Like, never. Mm. So then uh, we just laugh about it. And then this other time, I'm back, like, a week later helping her again. So we were helping her, like, move stuff around in the shop or whatever. And I'm like, and did you find anybody? And she's like, no, well, I just spoke to this one person and but i'm not too sure yet or whatever and i'm like bitch i told you teach me <laughs> like, teach me and i'm, I'm gonna work with I'm you ready. and she's like you're not serious i'm like i am mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. i wasn't <laughs> and she's just like but i wasn't doing anything at the time like i wasn't even in school like i was doing nothing at the time mm-hmm. and she was like you know what if you're serious be here monday at 10 a.m and we're gonna start mm-hmm. 13 years later oh, still here yay. so that's how that started like literally with a joke Mm -hmm. and um it's just been such a cool ride ever since because i just started with me never even like i never thought that i'd be doing this like just never at the time actually Mm -hmm. the whole accountant dream was gone okay and i wanted to be a designer oh okay. i wanted to be a fashion designer i was sketching i was doing all of the things like i did this american course at the time Mm. that i could have done remotely and all of that learning how to sew and I was dancing, of course. So I knew that I was going to do fashion and dance for sure. Nice. And then that came. And I'm like, okay, I don't have a job. I'm not doing anything. So I might as well get into this right now. And I got addicted. <laughs> 13 years later, right here. <laughs> 13 years later. And now you have your own salon here in Rotterdam. Yeah. Which is sometimes crazy. Yeah. Say the name of your salon. Huh? What's the name of your salon? Tens. Across the board, baby. The board. Uh, yeah. Obviously inspired by ballroom. <laughs> My salon is called uh, Tense. Yay. I love it. Perfect. Okay, so how did you get into ballroom? Ballroom. This goes all the way back to St. Martin again. Mm -hmm. So in 2008, um, so about late 2007, I met like my first set of queer friends. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, the one friend who actually told us about ballroom. He was like, "Um, you like to dance? Why don't you come to the dance theater? That's where everyone's at. And I'm like, um, I can't be seen at the dance theater because all the girls are going to know about me because mm-hmm. that's how it works on the island. Like they just need a glimpse, not even a glimpse. They just need a dream that <laughs> or imagine that you were seen with someone and it's going to start to roll. The ball just rolls like that. And everyone knows all of a sudden that whatever you are. Yeah. So I go to the dance school 
and started dancing, met uh, a couple people. Um, so I got really close with uh, that one person and at the time met his sister, um, which is my best friend still. And we were, he went in 2008, he went back, he went to New York because he got accepted for a summer program in Alvin Ailey. Oh, wow. He, 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 was, he is, still is an incredible dancer. He just doesn't dance anymore. Mm-hmm. Um he went to so he was he was there in 2000 summer 2008 mm-hmm. doing a course in at alvin ailey and when he came back he was like bitch i saw i went to like this club it's called escolitas and then there, there was a ball and there was voguing and ballroom and blah, 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 and we're just like what what are you talking about <laughs> and he's like yeah and the five elements and vogue and it's like this and we're just like what are you like what are you talking about what are you doing like what are you doing and he was just like, I'm going to teach y'all or whatever. So then he started to show us videos. And we're just mm-hmm. looking at these videos like, what the F is this? Mm-hmm. Why are people just dropping on the ground? Like, what? <laughs> what's going on? And at the time, we were dancing. And <laughs> fun fact, um, <laughs> at the time, we were a little group called Barbie Boys. Oh, wow. On okay. the island. <laughs> Terrible. The good part is that we were like the first, the first young, super young, openly queer boys on the island that were like performing openly everywhere how did you have the guts to do don't that? ask me okay i okay. have no idea <laughs> <laughs> i mean that also had to do with my the, my strong head that was okay. like i'm gonna do what i want to do good mind you all this time half of this time i wasn't even out to my mom or my dad huh? oh wow yeah so okay. that's another story mm-hmm. but um uh so we started so we saw these videos we we're just like what the hell like what the hell like how and we just thought we got to learn this mm. i don't know how we're gonna do it mm-hmm. but we are gonna learn this okay. and we just started to like recreate every video we saw like videos of like leomi deshaun cassandra god rest her soul like we would like recreate everything they were doing and obviously once again we're on an island where you're already gay bitch you're not gonna be (laughs) fagging out out here in these streets like it's that's not gonna do it for you yeah so what we would do is we would go like late at night we would go to like a pier in like in the town which is like by the by the sea of course by the Mm -hmm. beach and Mm -hmm. we would practice there like all night until like 3 a.m wow so we would just be somewhere there on the beach just like jumping and doing 360s and just like doing all of the things and like reenacting all the videos we would see and um and then, yeah, like I said before, like it, that just gave us like that finding ballroom gave me like that stamp of approval. Yeah. Like what you're doing is great and you you can exist and there is space for you and mm. it doesn't stop here. Like mm. it's way more than like don't think that it ends here. And we always had the dream also of like leaving home and going to like New York. And especially then when we found ballroom, it was like, bitch, I'm going to live in New York. <laughs> that never happened. Uh <laughs> So you made it to the main streets of Rotterdam, though. okay? <laughs> uh, to baby New York. Um, so yeah, that's how I got in contact. That's how I f- discovered ballroom, actually. Um, for someone who doesn't know, like, what are the five elements of ballroom? Uh, well, those were the five elements of voguing, which of is voguing, of sorry. voguing. That's the hand. Well, those are the five components that actually construct your performance, which okay. is hand performance, uh, catwalk, duck walk. Uh, floor performance spins and dips Mm -hmm. and those are the five like components you have to like 
perform and execute in order to be able to walk this category. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. You perfected those. And, yeah, how come you moved to the Netherlands then? Well, you know. <laughs> um, actually, I was, my friends moved here first. So okay. I, I was back home still with my friend from the salon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was three of us working in the salon, all queer. Um, and in 2009, my best friend and her brother, who got us into ballroom, yeah. moved here because he got accepted at Code Arts. Oh, cool. And she came uh, uh, with him. Mm-hmm. So, because she was going to go to school at Albeda. Okay. And they came up, and then they came back in this, uh, they came back in 2010 mm-hmm. on vacation. Yeah. And I was on the verge, on the brim of moving to Atlanta. Oh, like what? I had a job. I was oh. going to work in a shop in a salon there. Like oh. I met this amazing, <clears throat> amazing person. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, I want to help you out. If you really want to move to the States, like uh, I have space in my shop, come work in my shop. And from there, yeah. we'll just, you know, yeah. let the ball start rolling. And I was like on the brim of moving yeah. to Atlanta. Yeah. And then they came back on vacation. Yeah. And I literally have pictures of this night where they convinced me (laughs) tricked me to saved me (laughs) into moving to the netherlands what and i was just like i'm not girl i'm not moving to the (laughs) Netherlands. like i'm not going all the way to europe like i'm an american girl (laughs) i'm moving to the u.s and they were like no if you go there you're gonna have to be like illegal and you have to go through so much shit and if you move here like you're already Dutch and we're already mm. like starting a little voguing click yeah. and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and you, you can go to dance school, you can go to fashion, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I'm not interested. Oh, I'm going to Atlanta. And they oh. were like, no, you're not. <laughs> just come, just come. We can all be together. <laughs> and they convinced me. Oh, it worked. And in about three weeks, I was gone. Wait, so in 2010, how old were you? I was 19. You're a baby. Okay. I was 19. You 19 here? or 18 no Still no i turned 19 here so i was 18 okay yeah wow okay wow yeah and it's gonna be actually october 4th oh you got your little 13 anniversary. Years. it's coming soon um okay i'm gonna shift the conversation a little bit i wanted to think about um black masculinities and i wonder how you view your identity like I suppose as a queer Afro-Caribbean man in the Netherlands, the father of a ballroom house, like how do you view, yeah, yourself? And it sounds like growing up in St. Martin, at first maybe you had like a resistance to identifying as Absolutely. queer and that has, I don't know, drastically shifted. <laughs> um, yeah, how do you view your identity? And also when you were speaking before, I wonder... Um, you having the experience of being the person that maybe is more close-minded to people who are different uh, or to trans people for instance like does that give you I know understanding or grace for people who uh, I don't know maybe more questioning at first like yeah I wonder how you view your identity and all of the I mean mainly blackness and queerness but like how do you view yourself here in Rotterdam what aspect (laughs) (laughs) i just i think i always find it very impressive okay if we go back to that night at progress bar like it takes a lot of guts to stand up and 
be very boldly yourself and is that like a conscious decision you made like I I am these things and ballroom give me the confidence to own these things Yeah. yeah permission like was there a moment where you're like okay I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to do this like where does that confidence come from I feel like this really goes back to also being back home yeah and I say that because when I was back home the person sitting in front of you mm-hmm. you would not you would never in a thousand years think that i would be this might sound very cringy but that i would be this comparing to how i was back home mm-hmm. like i was visibly the loudest mm-hmm. and i mean like me and my friends like it was very clear that mm-hmm. we were queer okay <laughs> and i can't imagine it now because i'm like a lot of people um especially for us uh, caribbeans we kind of live closeted back home and mm-hmm. once we leave that's mm-hmm. when we like blossom but to me it was almost i wouldn't say the opposite but because i never like i'm not closeted now mm-hmm. but i mean uh, maybe i look it but you know <laughs> but um um we were so open back home that like when we got here it was just like oh this is an extension of what we already been doing Uh, you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's not like we waited until we we got here to like be ourselves Mm -hmm. like what what happened for us is that we found each other Mm. and once we had like once we established that we found each other it was like we are unstoppable and regardless of what people are gonna say do or think like we are gonna be ourselves like 100 percent. like i go back home right now Mm. and someone would say weren't you from the barbie boys (laughs) like i hate when it happens of course (laughs) i remember driving but i was back home uh, like just at the ending of COVID, I went back mm-hmm. home for like three months. We were still close here, and I'm driving past uh, one of the high schools in town, and I, my car. St- I just hate. I don't know. Teenagers are like the scariest thing ever. Yeah. So, I'm d- the car like there's a car in front of me, and I'm like, this car needs to drive because <laughs> I can't do the high school kids right now. And everyone's looking in the car. Everyone's looking in the car, and there's this one girl that's like. You was one of the Barbie boys. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm going to act like I don't even exist right now. Because I just couldn't believe. She remembers. That. And this was like a teenage. So by the time you were like growing up, mm. you probably heard or you still been following us. Like, yeah. because we weren't active when you were old enough to understand. So you got this from somewhere. Can I look this up on YouTube? No? Okay, okay. I'm going to look up the Barbie boys. Okay. (laughs) It's terrible. Um, So, um, yeah, this starts back home because I didn't necessarily wait here, wait to get here to like flourish. Yeah. Back home, we were loud. We were like super loud. And the the trick to that was that I wasn't loud at home. Mm. So from the moment I left my house, Mm. I was somebody else. And that was only because I wanted to save face for my mom mm-hmm. not my i couldn't care about my dad mm-hmm. but we have a great relationship now yeah but at the time it was just like my mom is my everything still is and i would just hate to break her heart and 
I kind of ended up still doing that without wanting to because when I came out to her, it was because it started to roar on the island. Yeah, I was going to say, people yeah. were going <laughs> to yeah. speak. It started to roar on the island like, oh my God, he's gay and he's dancing with all the gays at the dance school. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And my dad would hear everything or people would come to him with it and mm-hmm. he would complain to my mom. He would never tell me a word. Like oh. never, ever. Because, I mean, he saw himself. <laughs> <laughs> so he knew he couldn't try it. You know what I mean? Because it would literally just fly over my head because uh-huh. that's uh-huh. how he is, you yeah. know? So... um which now that I'm older, I can make sense of it. Because mm-hmm. before I was just like, oh, he would never tell me anything. And, and you know, I would just be kind of like very bold about it. Like my dad could never tell me anything. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. But now I understand like he never said anything to me because he literally, he knew who his son was. Yeah. That I'm his, like, I'm him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he was like, I can't tell this kid anything because I know it's just not, it's just not going to do anything. Yeah. So he would complain to my mom. And then once... I remember my mom would come to me and be like, your dad is saying this and they're saying this and I don't care what friends you have and I don't care what you're doing. If you want to dance, you need to dance and you do whatever you want, but just watch out for just people and people are talking that. So mm-hmm. my mom would always, and that's something very Caribbean and also Dominican, like Caribbean in general. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, especially older generation, they really live caring about what people are going to think or yeah. what people are going to say or whatever. So my mom was always like, yeah, people are talking, people are this, da, da, da. and there was this one time where she was like, um, uh, people just keep saying this and uh, you have a cousin that told this to your, told this to your, so s- my cousin told someone that it is true that I'm gay. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, your cousin said this. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? It's true. Mm-hmm. And she gagged as in, <laughs> not gag as in like she was shook. It was more like heartbreak. Cause oh. it was just like, why would you not tell me? Oh, so it wasn't about being No, gay. it, it was, was at all. It was just like, why didn't you, like, am I not me. your best friend? Like, why didn't you tell me yeah. instead of having all these people talking shit and making me think that, you know, like, you could have told me. Mm. And I was just like, oh, I thought you'd be gagging badly. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, no, I'm your mom. I love you the oh. way you are. Like, I can't change that. Like, that's just who you are. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, I just wish you'd tell me. Instead mm-hmm. of me having to hear it, you know, yeah. from other people. Yeah. But baby, after I came out to mama, yeah, that was it. You're fine. That w- that was it. You're done. Like I am 32 mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. and I've never had the conversation with my dad. Never. He knows, of yeah. course. He, knows. <laughs> like, Do you need he ain't to? crazy. <laughs> he ain't crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I've never had that conversation with my dad. Like I never came out to my dad. Never. And I think also there's a conversation here about like. Do you have to come out no, to anyone? No, no. Like, trust me. I am yeah. the number one <laughs> contender against <laughs> coming out because I'm just like, straight people don't come out. Exactly. It, where are we coming out of? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, like at the time, I get it. You know, we were in, I don't know what year it was. Mm. But um, yeah, after that, for me, it was just like, and then moving here was just like full on, like, I'm going to do me. Nice. I'm going to continue what I left off back home. Yeah. So. That's so impressive. Yeah. Um, I suppose two questions then. Are you, su- are, are people surprised by about how open you are with being queer and black? Especially people back home. Mm. Yeah. And especially like younger generation. Yeah. They're always like, um, well, it's kind of, there's, there's, there's like, two sides to this because one they're 
and I'm going to say people in general, also not only back home, but in general, a lot of people are shook that I'm what they call straight passing or whatever oh, they okay. like that I'm that I present very masculine, mm-hmm. but that there's a queen inside. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so at, at a first glimpse, they're like, either they're confused or they're like, oh, this straight dude. Like I've had boys yeah. that are like, first of all, I just came back from Barcelona okay. and I was in the club there okay, and I was with my friend yeah, and we're just dancing in the club and people are going up to her yeah. and telling her, uh, who's the boy you're with? Who's the boy? With? And she's like, that's my brother. That's my brother. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, why did you come here with your straight brother? <laughs> and uh, and she's just like, what? So I'm looking over the room, looking across the room at her. And she's just like laughing with these with these <laughs> boys. And I'm just like, what's going on? So this one boy comes up to me. He's like, that's your sister. And I'm like, yeah, that's your sister. And he's like, but you're gay. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my god! And he's just like bowing, like I'm just like, what? Are you, what? Are you, come, like, what's yeah. going on? Like, y'all don't have masculine presenting yeah. queer man out here. Like, yeah. what's going on? And so there's two sides to it. They're they they they're surprised at that because especially back home they stereotype gays. They think mm-hmm. they only come in one shape or form. Mm-hmm. And the other side is they're like, how can you be? Um, how can you be raised Caribbean mm-hmm. and? not give two fucks basically and how can you like what is your it's just you've always been very strong-willed and yeah i think yeah for sure i always i definitely was always uh my head was (laughs) on very hard um (laughs) that for sure and also kind of having i think it's also having the support around you because i don't think i don't think that i'd be here if i didn't meet that group of friends that i still have till this day community like if you don't have community, like community is everything. Community mm-hmm. is everything. And mm-hmm. I get sad when I go back home now because I'm like, there is zero community back home. Mm-hmm. And back then, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about like late 2000s, like mm-hmm. there was a queer club. Like that's where we'd gather. And even though it was not open, like it's not a place where everyone knew that the gay club was there because there were a lot of instances where like we'd get a lot of issues mm-hmm. with boys standing outside and throwing rocks at oh, the doors wow. and we could not get out the club and yeah it's a lot of shit going on in caribbean but mm-hmm. um nowadays when i go back home it's always like oh the gays are so separated and there's no community and there's nowhere for everyone to like get together and i'm mm-hmm. just like why mm. home is i would say 70 percent better than when we left in 2010 I wonder what's happened then. Like I, I don't get it. Yeah. Like now, the things that I see, like the things that can happen now back home, mm-hmm. were impossible to happen in 2010. Yeah. Up until 2010, yeah. Because we just had, I think it was two years ago or last year, the first Pride Walk mm. on the French side of the island. Let's start there, because mm. I don't know how that'll go on the Dutch side, but um, and I'm from the Dutch side, um, but. It was, I'm not going to say it was easy for them. Like people Mm kind of like went against it and all of that. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't do that back in 2010. Like what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like hell no. Like us being loud and performing openly and and all of that and voguing Mm -hmm. at the frigging car in carnival and all of that stuff. Like that was unheard of. You know what I mean? So 
for them to be so like uh, restricted now and so like to themselves it's just like why mm. but also i get it because that's where i'm from mm. and i know exactly what it is like it's families it's a lot of layers it's school it's no uh, like lack of community it's lack of spaces so yeah it's just i get it yeah i get it but i just wish they would be a little bit more brave but that's me with my privilege ass all the way here being 32 <laughs> now and you know totally you know oh yeah um I wonder then, like following on for that, how do you deal with prejudice or hate that you do encounter, like either here or back home? Like, do you have an approach? Like, how do you process that? Um, I would say that when it comes to like hate, mm. here I haven't experienced, and again with my privileged, mm -hmm. you know, hetero passing ass um is this a conscious thing where you like okay i'm gonna no, no i just, you're just i you're just literally being grew out of my like i grew out of my how can i say that i kind of grew out of like my my feminine loud presentation mm -hmm. and i grew out of that and mm. slowly just turned into this <laughs> <laughs> like it's weird because i remember both of both of my friends at the time um, they're both women today. They're both mm -hmm. trans. Yeah. Everyone thought back home that I was going to be trans. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> like, like I can't imagine. That is like, uh, it's not something I ever felt. It's yeah. not something that I would do, but I have so much respect for trans people. Like, mm -hmm. I've seen my sisters, like, from... I've seen them too from wherever to be where they are now. And mm -hmm. I'm just always like, whoa, I could never. Yeah. Yeah. And I only could never because that's not something I feel. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just have so much respect for trans people. And I just think like that could have never been me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, where hate is concerned, I feel like I have experienced more hate uh, from racism Mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. like my queerness interesting uh i mean and i mean after i'm grown in here you know oh, back okay. home <laughs> back home uh the hate was real <laughs> you know but um especially being here in the netherlands like i've had instances where um where i mean like back home you hear everything so like being here and then hearing someone say something is like what else is new <laughs> it's like Oh, like, that's all you got? Like, <laughs> oh, you think this is new? Yeah. You think that like I'm hearing this for the first? You think yeah. this does me something after all these years? Like, mm. you can keep that. Like, bring me something new. <laughs> um, so I haven't had much experiences with that, but I feel like more in in like I've had most of my like racist experience would be more in like in my industry so in like the beauty in mm. in like my work field like mm. we've had like on jobs on mm -hmm. gigs uh me having a salon mm -hmm. uh people would often just be like can i speak to the owner mm. and it's karen and i'm just like karen i'm the owner <laughs> <laughs> and they're always like and this is how you know that they meant it in a different way because i've had some people come in and just ask in general, hey, can I speak to the owner? And I'll be like, oh, hey, I'm the owner. They'll be like, oh, hi. Mm -hmm. But 
someone else would be like, oh, really? <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. Your yeah. voice went very high there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I've experienced it more like that. But that, in a way, kind of makes sense, right? So maybe in St. Martin, it being a majority black island. Yeah. And then your queer identity being more of the outlier. And then in the Netherlands, your race being more of an issue. Yeah. But I wonder, like, are there moments of intersection where, like, you being a black queer man... Absolutely. ...is, like, in and of itself a problem? Absolutely. I've been in situations where... We've been in situations where people just don't even know what to do with us. And they don't have to say it in their whole demeanor, yeah. in their whole, in the way they just act around us. It's just yeah. like, whoa. And that's why we're so hard in, uh, like, creating our own spaces and creating our own narratives mm-hmm. and not, like, letting other people come in because we just don't have great experiences in those situations mm-hmm. where other people came in and tried to tell our stories or mm-hmm. other people came in and bribed us into giving us stuff and then just took everything they got we happily gave them mm-hmm. and just ran with it and um and the we you talk of is this like house of vineyard is this yeah yeah so this is in the whole ballroom uh community building yeah. house of vineyard that's yeah. where all of this comes to play yeah okay so let me lead on to my next question then so what is house of vineyard and how did you become a house father and what is that <laughs> Like to the uninitiated. So first of all, for the people who don't know, a house is like a ballroom for dummies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A house is actually uh, the crew in which you participate Mm -hmm. or which you compete. The crew which you represent at at this competition, which is called a ball, Mm -hmm. that crew is called a house. Mm And that's just in the dummies way. Yep. But what a house really is, it's actually built on love, love, uh, joy, and support. So it's literally your chosen family. So this is the family that will understand you regardless of whatever it is. Because this is something that us as queer people always have to find outside of our blood relatives because we don't we don't have the luxury of having all of us don't have the luxury of having supportive families or people that we can go to so the easiest person to relate is another queer person or an older queer person Mm -hmm. so this is how houses actually started where these older um, queer people would take in kids and literally form a family Mm -hmm. and not only in oh you need to compete at the ball but this was also for uh, again, support, loving on these kids, helping them through life, through the daily, uh, schooling, work, um, kids that were struggling at, uh, if we take it back to like the early uh, 80s in New York, mm-hmm. kids that were struggling with uh, AIDS and HIV and mm-hmm. sleeping on the streets, being disowned by their families. So this is how, uh, how houses were founded, actually. And then part of that was competing at the balls. So when you walk a ball, you represent your house. And, if you, and you can also walk about and not be in a house, but then you're a 007, so you're a free agent. <laughs> and that's a tough position to be in. Because <laughs> when you have a house, of course, when you have a family, you have that family support. You know, everyone's, you know, helping you and supporting you and helping you get through that moment. But when you're a 007, mm. you're your support. <laughs> and, and I wonder, because you've spoken about your father in this as well, like I wonder how it is being a house father when you may not have had experience maybe the fathering that you'd have desired like how 
what are you like as a house father? What do you see your role as? Yeah, I really love that you asked that question because um, in the beginning, I absolutely never saw myself as a house father, nor mm-hmm. did I want to be a house father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was happy with just being a member of the house. Mm-hmm. And that was only because um, I just never saw it for me. I just never thought, I never even thought about it. Like, I want to have my own house or I want to be a father. Like, mm-hmm. I never thought of that. I was just happy to like represent my house's name and go hard and, mm-hmm. you know, make noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and also have that family, of course. Um, but then after my house went behind my back and <laughs> decided for me, ambushed me as the father, yeah. um, which up until this day, I hold very dear mm. and very close to my heart because they saw something in me that I didn't see for myself. Mm-hmm. And when they all collectively agreed on, you are the father, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeremy Springer, mm-hmm. um, I was just like, I am. In the moment, I was like, hell no. Like, he- I'm me. I'm not going to be. I don't want that responsibility. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I just don't want it because it, it's not only being the house father, it's being like, that also comes with being a prominent figure in the, in the community. Mm-hmm. Being that also means leadership in the community, yep. not only for your house, but for the community in general. Mm-hmm. So when people, when people, when you, when you come into community, we are the pillars. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where are the fathers? Where are the mothers? Like, yeah. where are the godparents? Yep. Like, where are these people? Yep. So you always have that responsibility of like carrying the scene, you know? And that's something I always did, even before I was a father, because I'm just super grateful for ballroom and what it did for me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's something I just naturally did. And then my house deciding that for me was just like, hell no. But then I thought, with time, I thought, okay, so they saw this for me. And mm-hmm. actually, if it wasn't me, then who? who? You know what I mean? And not not to be shady to anybody else, not that. <laughs> but uh, in this context, it's like, it was supposed to be like this, you know? And then I always thought, you know what? First, I want to be the example and I want to be that person that I didn't have when I was growing up mm-hmm. as a young gay boy. Uh, which is like someone to look up to, which was uh, uh, not necessarily a father figure, but like an example of like, oh, you're like me and I'm like you. Mm-hmm. So I always I always had in me like, I want to be that for people that don't have that because I didn't have it. So mm-hmm. I'd like to be it for other people. And uh, at the same time, it was like, I'm going to be a house father. So that means... I need to be ready for the shits. Mm -hmm. Like, I Mm -hmm. need to be ready for, like, everything that comes not only to my house, which which goes first, but also my community. Mm -hmm. So, like, you're, like, one of the front soldiers. (laughs) But, like, because when I think of a house father, are you having to, like, hold a lot of people's emotions? Are you having to kind of hold a moral high ground? And that is the misconception. People just think, oh, it's ballroom, Mm da-da-da-da. No. Like, I'm literally... A surrogate dad. <laughs> I didn't even, you you could have said it better. That must it's, be a lot. It is a lot because yeah. you have to deal with you. It's literally dealing with a household that you have to keep together. Mm. Like I can't imagine what my mom was doing. <laughs> like I don't even have like my own children. Yeah, I have to deal with a bunch of strangers yeah. actually yeah. that I need to take all that shit yeah. from. Yeah, and um. 
But it's like you see these strangers and you see yourself in each and every one of them because that's how we come together. You know, there's a connection. There's a bond that we build. We all come from different uh, from different perspectives of the same story. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I get that. So you look at everyone and you see issues and you see all of these things and you can't help but understand because it's like, okay, I get it's annoying. Mm. I want to kill you right now. <laughs> I want to like, <laughs> I want to just hang you up, but I get it, you know? And I imagine, is it quite beautiful seeing people's growth? Like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, especially in, commu- in the ballroom community in general, especially mm-hmm. here, as being one of the like first members of the scene here, mm. um, the beauty for me oftentimes is that um, I get to see like all these kids that came after us mm-hmm. and that are coming up now yeah. and them just like, it's like babies are born yeah. and then they start to like they open their eyes they start <laughs> to crawl then they walk these kids are just like jumping off <laughs> jumping off the bed or out of the freaking hospital and just <laughs> voguing down the street I like it. so it's like it's so beautiful to, to see like these kids not only grow in in the community but grow also outside of the community because mm-hmm. we're not stimulating people to just be fab ballroom uh uh, members, mm-hmm. no, you got to be fab in real life, and that's what we're preparing you for in ballroom, yeah. and that's what ballroom has done for all of us, prepared us for real life. Mm. So everything we learn in ballroom is something we take outside and like, bitch, yeah. <laughs> society could never. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Ellie, I could speak to you all day. Um, yes, we can. I know, I know. Um, so I want to wrap up with a final question. Seeing as you do all of these amazing things currently. Like, what is the future vision for you? What are you excited about in the future? What are you working towards? Uh, so much things. I'm, I always get it. I always get like, uh, what do I mention? <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, if I keep it in the ballroom perspective, like mm-hmm. we're celebrating 10 years Dutch ballroom scene right now. And yeah. next year, our house turns 10 years. So um, we're working towards, you know, celebration of 10 years Dutch ballroom scene, mm-hmm. also celebration of House of Vineyard. Mm-hmm. And um, I just hope that in the way ballroom is going now and uh, and I want to say in the Netherlands, but also in Europe, mm-hmm. like I hope we get to a place where we're so established mm-hmm. as a community that we don't depend on any outside resources. Mm. And that's something that we House of Vineyard are strongly working on. Okay. So um, we want to get to a place where we have our own studios. Nice. We have our own. Like th- the dream is the headquarters. Ooh. And there you can find everything ballroom, but also everything queer Ooh. and community. Nice. So if anybody's out there listening, you want to, you know, <laughs> you want to, you know. You know what you want to do. Just do it. Reach out, you know. So um, that's okay. kind of like the main goal uh, that we all have in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, for myself personally, like, I just want to grow. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to grow. Mm-hmm. I want to be in love someday. You know, oh. I want to do that too. I want to have my own real kids. Yes. Even though they think they're my real kids. But <laughs> I'd love to have a little, you know, a little kid of my own. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, I just want to grow. 
like I'm not I'm not necessarily the person to be like, oh, I want to be like rich. And mm-hmm. I mean, we all want that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's not about having money. It's about having freedom. Mm. So I'm again, I'm an Aquarius and I like to do what I want, when I want, how I want. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So um, just to get to a place where, you know, there are, there are no have tos, there are want tos. Love it. You know. Um, so if people are listening and they want to find you online, where can they find you? So you can find me at legit Ellie on Instagram. So not legitimate, but just legit Ellie on Instagram. You can follow the nail boy on Instagram. That's my nail page. Uh, you can follow, of course, the plant boy. If you're, you know, plant interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also follow us at house of vineyard on Instagram, on Facebook, be our friend, you know, yeah. and you can also find us at the Rotterdam ballroom arena. If you want more, you know, everything ballroom mm-hmm. in the Netherlands and around. So yeah. Brilliant. Hit us, hit us up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So finally, the final song that you have chosen is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is Missy Elliott meltdown. Um, why have you chosen this song? What does it mean to you? Um, I knew I should have just changed this song, but you know. Um, first of all, the first artist that I've ever like that I loved wholeheartedly was Missy Elliott, Mm -hmm. and I feel like she inspired me so much, especially as a dancer. Mm -hmm. Like I really thought that I was just living for everything Missy. Like my earliest memories of like recreating choreography was Missy's choreography. Mm. And I just always loved Missy's individuality in the, in the music industry. Like up to this day, there was only one, nobody has done what, uh, Missy has done and she hasn't done what anybody else has done. Mm -hmm. So, um, absolutely love Missy. Um, this specific song, (laughs) This specific song y'all you know don't listen carefully um <laughs> honestly it um i always say like there's a queen inside of me mm-hmm. and with a queen i mean like the girl is inside of me <laughs> and um her character is just like super sexy mm-hmm. super like sultry mm-hmm. very very video vixen type mm-hmm. of girl you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and um I just always like that's one song that reminds me that brings that girl out, Aww. you know. So I love it. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you, Ellie, for joining me. Thank you. You're so welcome. And let's take a listen. I broke up with my ex, I couldn't take his sarcasm Every time we bone, I had to fake an orgasm Moaning and groaning, tried to make him feel manly I'd rather use my toys plus my hands come in handy You are now listening to Operator Operator